Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, gentlemen, good morning, good morning, and good morning. I am coming to you from a remote location, a little bit south of Cincinnati. We head back up to the uh, moderately cold weather, I guess. Uh, gentlemen, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Paul, Casey, you guys all right? Yeah, we're doing good. Doing good, Tom. How's everything uh, going down there? How's the weather? Okay, here we go again. It's peace and calm time. Okay, so I've got – this is our fall that I'm on. Okay, so if I take off the um, – there's a delay. What? There's a delay in what I'm hearing that's coming through to be able to talk to you. Does that make sense? Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, you're, you, do you have the YouTube video pulled up as well? That's okay. probably what you're hearing. Mute the YouTube video. If you can hear that. Mute the yes. YouTube. Okay. Now, can you hear us? Uh-oh. He just muted us is what happened. You need to unmute the computer and mute the YouTube video live. I think we're good now, right? Can you good? can you hear us though? Are we good now? Can you can you hear us, Tom? You know this is why. No, can you can you this, hear us, Tom? This technology stuff makes me crazy. Can you hear me? We yes, can hear we you. Can, hear can you. you hear us? I hear you fine, and I've muted the other one, so I think okay. we're okay. Good. Okay. We're good. Okay. We're good. How are you guys doing this morning? Fantastic, Tom. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, got down here to Florida. It's the first time uh, we have some friends that live down here, and they, they were kind enough to ask us to come down here. And it's the first time I've been down here since that hurricane hit back in uh, September. And I have to tell you, it's uh, it's heartbreaking to see what's happening to some so many of these families down here. You know, we had the tornadoes about a year and a half ago, two years ago, that, that went through Kentucky and killed so many people and, and, and literally, you know, just picked up blocks and blocks and miles and miles of houses. The same thing has happened down here. Um, in fact, it's so bad that they, they, a local dog park is where they, they assemble all of the belongings of people uh, that basically have gone in the trash, that have just been, you know, wiped out and so, um, Puts everything this time of year into perspective. Um, so anyway, all right, we get to sports and we got our show here today. We come your way, as you guys know, as everybody knows, 10 to noon Eastern time, Monday through Friday. You can watch us on uh, YouTube at our Chatterbox Sports page. We always ask you subscribe to the program if you would. We're also on Facebook. Just search Chatterbox Sports and we will be there. If you prefer to join us in podcast form, by all means, wherever you get your podcast, search up Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, and you're dialed in. So the Bengals back to the practice field today. In fact, lies with an extra day to heal up some bumps and bruises along the way before the Monday night game in Cincinnati. The Bills have won six in a row. Bengals have won seven straight. We know for sure the number two seed is on the line. Um, at kickoff, and it could even be the number one seed. I don't know about any of you, and Paul will get into this in a minute. I am stunned that Buffalo, with a game played in Cincinnati, uh, at last check was a one-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Bengals at home, defending AFC champions, 
and they're an underdog. And by the way, if you didn't notice, some of you probably have, but maybe some of you haven't. Normally, Monday Night Football starts about 8 o'clock or 8.10. This week, the game is kicked off at 8.30. So that is a late start, going to be a late night. The Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars are getting advice from everybody and his brother. We're not going to join the crowd as to do uh, what they're going to do for this coming weekend. Now, let's play Dallas tonight. And they've already decided Derrick Henry's not going to play. Uh, it really doesn't matter what either team does this weekend because if they play, when they play next week in Jacksonville, the Titans and the Jags, it's win and you're in, lose and you're done. So it's interesting to see what both teams at the end of the day are going to do. Very interesting development yesterday out in Vegas. Derek Carr benched by the Raiders. He's been their starting quarterback since 2014, took him to the playoffs a year ago. He's a franchise leader in virtually every passing category there is. He won't start the last two games of the year. Carr just signed a three-year, $125 million deal this spring. And all of a sudden, the cries have started in Vegas to go get Tom Brady. Now, I know a lot of people, Trace Fowler's always bashing the bowl games. But the bottom line is, last night, two really exciting games. You had Arkansas beating Kansas in the Liberty Bowl, 55-53 to in triple overtime. And then Oregon rallies late. I think it was somebody around there in that studio. It might have been Casey who said that Bo Nick stinks. He led Oregon to the victory in the final minutes in the Liberty Bowl to beat Carolina by one. Three more games today, the best game today, two ranked teams, Texas and Washington. We're 48 hours and counting to the college football playoff. Two extremely intriguing games. We'll talk more about that today and especially tomorrow. We'll be joined by Mac Engel from the Dallas-Fort uh, Worth Star, who is uh, in Phoenix covering the game. We'll get his TCU perspective. And then we'll hear from longtime legendary writer out of Columbus, Tim May. He is in Atlanta covering the Ohio State-Georgia game. College basketball. Paul was dancing in the streets of Manhattan last night. Xavier gets a good win, 84-79 at St. John's. The Muskies are rolling. They're now 11-3 on the year. And UC opens conference play tonight at home against Tulane. All right, boys. Tell me, uh, first of all, uh, I have to ask you this question. Reed Mouse just posted a short while ago um, that ESPN has predicted every game in the NFL for the rest of the season. I don't know if they're running them through some, some computer or whatever it is they're doing and the algorithms and all that kind of thing. Did you see what they are predicting the game to be here on Monday night, the score? Did I've you guys see this? Up. Yeah, I've we have it pulled up. up. We'll show people. Take a look at this. They are predicting the Buffalo Bills are coming to Cincinnati and beating, not beating, destroying the Bengals by a final score of 37 to 9. I mean, Paul, you're a big, you know, algorithms guy. Casey, you're <laughs> dialed in all this sort of nonsense. What sort of algorithm would be would be punched in that would lead you to believe? And look, I don't know any more than they do. I don't know any less than they do. I, but who in their right mind really believes 
that Buffalo would come in here and win 37 to 9. Did you see the rest of the scores? Like the Commanders no, scoring. No, put it back up there. Yeah, here. Look at look at the one right above it. The Commanders 41 to 10 against the Browns with Carson Wentz starting. I mean, the they've got the Raiders, 30 on the Jags. That, they've got the Ra- they got the Raiders with a backup quarterback who's making his first start. Now that they bench Carr. Are we sure they this have is the a- Raiders beating the, the 49ers? Are we sure this isn't a Reed Mouse troll job? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is bad. I don't see a single score on here that makes a whole lot of sense. Because even the scores where teams win that make sense, maybe except the Chiefs, like the the amount of points scored don't make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Giants 34, you. Colts 0, Eagles 44, Saints 27. I mean, Bucks, Bucks 24, Panthers 21 could happen, but... I mean, even the even the games where the result looks like it matters and, and makes sense, the scorer looks off. Well, look at the Jags. How many times has a team scored 16 points? Think about it. It doesn't yeah. happen often. Yeah, well, clearly they're using something here to come up with these numbers. But I mean, I could see where they project the Bills to win because, you know, Vegas, a lot of yeah. people are saying the Bills will right. win. But, right. but to win 37 to 9, that's that's like – Somebody gets hurt or the Bengals choose to bench people kind of numbers. It's disrespectful. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, look, these are really smart people at ESPN. I mean, they, they obviously, they, they have incredible resources, incredible resources. So, you know, whatever it is they're doing or whatever kind of computer projections. Are, I mean, they're not like, you know, hiring uh, a bunch of 14-year-olds sitting around in a basement to come up with this stuff. Although you look at some of those numbers and you wonder if that's not exactly what they did. But what what computer algorithm could possibly spit out with a straight face some of the numbers that are on those projected scores for this weekend? Madden, <laughs> the video game. I mean, even right. that was kind of unbelievable. Yeah, it's so weird. It's such. Well, a- Brandon Seho does that thing where he 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 plays the model right all year long. We've talked about this. Has he done the one for the Bengals game yet this week? Brandon, have you done the the model for the Bengals this week yet? Did you do that last night? Yes. What was the What was the score? Uh, Bengals. Bengals won according to Brandon's projection. And that's all. We're waiting on the Zero. score, but the Bengals won. Waiting on the score. Wasn't he the guy that sat there and broadcast the game? <laughs> he said, weren't you the one sitting there broadcasting it? Asking if he remembers all of his scores. <laughs> he wants to know if you remember all of your scores that you broadcasted. <laughs> well, I would remember the one from the night Last before. night. <laughs> I was doing one game a week, okay? One game a week I was broadcasting. Uh, there's a good chance that I would have a rough idea of the score. So I'm, if it was 24 to 17 or 16, okay, maybe you don't have it. He just did this game last night. <laughs> I don't know. We're still looking. They don't, they don't have Do you have any okay. idea, Brandon? Yeah, they, I feel like they, they won. We got no idea. No, they, we got no clue. Okay. No, All right. Okay. Like 17 to 6. 17 to 6 is his guess. Wow. Low okay. scoring. 
No, I mean, that, that to, to me, that's almost as much of a shocker, knowing what kind of offenses these two teams have. That's almost as much of a shocker as 37-9 to 9 Buffalo. I mean, to think that you would get 23 points combined. What's the over-under in this game, Paul? The total, it's kind of moved around a little bit. The total right now is sitting at 49 and a half. Um, it's gone up and down, but now it's back to where it opened at 49 and a half. Okay, and where is the money going right now? You, I ask you these questions all the time about where is the majority of the money going and where where's the big money going? Yeah, so the majority of the bets are on Cincinnati at one and a half. Sixty-four percent of the bets are on Cincinnati, but Tom, eighty-eight percent of the money is on Buffalo. So the big that, money. Yeah, that's a fifty a fifty-two percent discrepancy there between uh, between the money and the percentage of the bets. That's huge. You don't see that too much. I'm just curious. Will you check the money line? The money line. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. See, hold see on. what the hold on. Yep. Yep. Uh, on the money line, everybody's on the bills as well. Seventy-five percent and eighty-three percent. So it's they're they're getting what they thought they were going to get out of this game, as far as bets go. I think. Okay. Well, it's, basi- you know, it's basically I, I it's basically a, it's basically a pick 'em. It opened at two and a half. It's down to one and a half, and I I doubt it moves much from the one and a half because that's where it's been really all week. But that's moving in the Bengals' favor, right? I mean, yeah, by a point, but nothing. It's not like it's, you know, it opened at two and a half and now the Bengals are favored. It might. Let me me ask you this. You've been doing on your show, uh, Paul, you've been doing um, gambling 101, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. On your show, not too picky. So walk me and others through when you basically see something like this, okay? where the majority of bets are being placed, if I heard you right, correct me if I'm wrong, the majority of bets are being placed on the Bengals. But the big money crowd, the guys that allegedly, you know, uh, have, have some inside info, guys that do this for a living, make a living from this, um, 80-something percent of that money is going to Buffalo. Yeah. Historically speaking, and I'm not holding you to to give me a number here, but just for for the novices out there like myself and others. Sure. What is the end result most of the time when you see um, spreads like that? Meaning, does the team, in this case, would the Bengals normally win a game like this just based on track record? Or would the big money Sark, so to speak, would they be correct more times than not in that assessment the Buffalo wins a game? Well, I, you know, it's it's tough when you say this because it's there's a couple of things here is because the spread is so close. So a lot of times, like when you look at the college football playoff this weekend, for example, you know, the spread in the Georgia and Ohio State game is six and a half and where all the money is coming in on Georgia, Georgia could still win the game, but they could win it by a field goal right at the end and Ohio State could cover. So when you're looking at this and you say, are they going to win? Or are they not? You know, when you're looking at a, a one point game, it's a little bit different just because that's so close. How often does an NFL game end at a one point differential enough right. that it matters? We've gone through that on the show. You and I have talked about that, Tom, Casey. We've all sat here yep. and gone through that. It happens enough that it matters to have that one point instead of just taking it on the money line. But as far as how often a, a team like this wins, you know, you, you would say, we, we talk about this a lot where you talk about how much the Sharps know versus how much the public knows. 
And right now the public is clearly on Cincinnati at the one and a half because Cincinnati's on a historic run right now, 20 and three in their last 23 games covering the spread. They're the best team against the spread in the last two years. It's tough to say when the money's coming in like this. And so you don't really see it all that much where it's, you know, 52% difference. That's a huge difference. Um, I'll be honest, Tom, I, I don't really know how to interpret this one at one and a half because the way it's coming in right now, you would you would think that maybe that this is a Bengals play the way that it's coming in, um, or at least looking at the money on the money line. But the spread yep. has all, all the spread has all that money on Buffalo, which would make me think that if I'm a Buffalo better, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Okay. All right. All right. Well, you know, you, you start looking at this game and they're talking about the potential of this being, and I know Trace touched on it a little bit yesterday, but there are some out there, and there was a long story written about uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, who will be broadcasting this game on Monday night. And of course, for years and years, they would do the biggest game in the NFC. They'd never done a monster game in the AFC. Some are saying, and, and some of the numbers don't lie, the number of wins combined by the two teams, the most in 30-something years and all that kind of thing. But uh, they're saying this is the biggest Monday night football game in maybe two or three decades. Because, you know, let's face it, uh, with all the money that Fox is paying for the NFC package, that CBS pays uh, for the AFC package, and then um, what... Uh, NBC pays for that Sunday night package. The Monday night schedule has not been a good schedule, uh, by and large, for a long, long time. They'll run into a good game every now and again, like they've run into this one. They don't have the power to flex out games to a Monday night like Sunday night football can do. Um, I got to believe, and I said it, uh, Casey, and I know you've been a big Bengals fan for a long, long time. Uh, I made the comment with Dot the other day. I really believe this is the most anticipated regular season game and I don't know if I could pinpoint one game going back to the Boomer Esiason days because you guys weren't even born then um, there were a couple of games during that run where the Chicago Bears came into town uh, you know William Refrigerator Perry and Walter Payton and all these guys who had won a Super Bowl uh, they played at Riverfront Stadium but that was an afternoon game um, I got to believe I'm not there, but I got to believe that's all anybody in the whole town is talking about. Is that fair to say? Yeah, um, I would totally agree with that. But it's not just the town either. Um, we did this yesterday on our show. Uh, Reed did an excellent job finding some, some, some stats to, to talk about. And this is the third time on Monday Night Football that two teams at 11-plus wins are going at it to fight yeah. for the first place that there's so much riding on this game that not only is it just like a big game for Bills and Bengals, it's like the biggest Monday night football game in, in a long time. Probably the biggest game in the whole season. If you want to even take it that far. I mean, you're, you're fighting for first place. You're fighting for seeding. You're fighting for respect. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a Monday – or I'm trying to think of a game this NFL season – that has been or would be bigger than this. I guess maybe a game in week 18 fighting for a division, but yeah, I mean, this is fighting for the number one seed, potentially, depending on what shakes out with Kansas City. And we might have an answer to that on Sunday, depending on what Kansas City does. So I, I look at this, Tom, and say, 
what game have we seen this season that would be bigger than this in the regular season? Well, I, I think, Paul, you bring up a great point. I mean, look, um, we remember having Reuben Brown, a longtime all-pro offensive lineman for the Bills before the very first game of the year. Uh, the Bills in Kansas City and the anticipation of that game and so on and so forth. But, you know, look, the, naturally, later in the year you get. And, you know, the season opener, you can get beat by 40 and, and, and you don't even remember it unless, and this was the case, unless the number one seed would be at stake by the time you hit week 18, which it very well could if Buffalo uh, wins this game wins out, Kansas City wins out, Buffalo, because of that early season win over the Chiefs, would be the number one seed. And I think we all agree. No one wants to go to Buffalo. No one wants to go to Buffalo. I don't know how many people want to come to Cincinnati. I don't know how many people want to go to Kansas City. You have to beat a great team to get to the Super Bowl or a couple of great teams to go to the Super Bowl. But Buffalo, uh, a little bit different animal. You got a chance to have four and a half feet of snow on the ground, uh, temperatures like we had last week at Cincinnati, wind chill, minus 20, minus 30, whatever it might be. So, you know, th this is a huge game, but I don't know how you guys feel, especially now with the news about Derek Carr. Now, he wasn't having a great year anyway, uh, and the Raiders, the whole season's been a disaster. A lot of people thought they were a playoff team. But now all of a sudden, you know, realistically, and we know anything can happen. Um, but playing a, a, a guy who's never been a starter in Stidham in the NFL, uh, in fact, Derek Carr's not even in the building. He did not practice yesterday. We can get into right. that a bit with, with Brian Billick in about seven minutes from now. But, you know, look, um, I can't believe how – I can't believe this guy is not with the team. He's gone from a team, but we'll get to that later. But the point I'm making is there's no way Kansas City now is going to lose a game. I mean, it's I just not so. going to happen. I mean, with Derek Carr at quarterback, we've seen him get hot and have those kinds of games where anything could happen. But to think that Kansas City, they're at home this weekend against Denver. Now Denver just fired their coach. Who knows what happens there? Maybe they play a little better. I don't know. Uh, but, but my chances in Kansas City, slim and none. And, and now without Derek Carr, uh, fellas, there's no way Kansas City's losing another game. They're going to be the number one seed. Yeah, I think we agree with you on that, Tom. I mean, even before Derek Carr was benched, I thought we all pretty much gave them the number one seed practically. Um, you know, it was going to be tough anyways to get the number one seed. Like, we would have had to have went one out anyways. Like, we would have had to beat the Bills and the Ravens, which are both two really tough teams. And honestly, if we don't beat the Bills this week, I think you have to have a serious conversation about potentially resting your starters and just taking that fifth seed spot. Because uh -huh. you get an easier game. You go play the, the AFC South. I don't yeah, know. but see, I here's the problem, okay? You know, the, 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 well, look, the Bengals are not going to fall any lower. Well, I guess, yeah, they could if they were. You, you can't do that. I mean, that means that you're, yeah, you're going to play the AFC South, and you're going to go on the road, and you're not going to get a home game, okay? So whether it's Jacksonville or Tennessee, you have to go on the road and win that game. Now you like your chances. 
But if all the other seeds play out according to form, that means your second game is in Buffalo if they're the number one seed. Right. But now you can say, well, you got to go there and win sooner or later anyway. What the hell is the difference? And that would be true. But you want that to be your second game playing in Buffalo? This is only if we lose to Buffalo. If we win no, against I Buffalo, that. Then... And I'm saying you, you would say then rest your players with the potential of either being – uh, you're saying rest your players against the Ravens. And if you win, great, you're the four seed. You're playing the five anyway. And if you lose, you're the five and you're playing the four, right? Well, we would be three regardless. We'd be the third seed. Well, not if you lost the next weekend to Baltimore, you wouldn't be. You would. You would. So if you if – you If the Ravens win out and the Bengals lose another game, Right. The We'd Ravens be would be the divisional champions. At the third seed. That's I'm what saying, I'm saying. Yeah, so if if they beat the Bills and they rest their players, we would be the fifth seed. But if we win out, we'll be the third seed, regardless. Yes. We're, we're either the third yes. or the fifth seed, is what I'm trying to get at. Well, the, the, the bottom line is, is I'm not rolling over and resting players now. I mean, this team has won seven games in a row. I know they've got some injuries they got to get through. They're going to have to play the entire offensive line together because this is a mistake they made, in my opinion, going all the way back to the preseason, and it took them five or six weeks to get it right. Now you've added a guy who, yes, he started before. No, he's never been a right tackle for this team by and large before. With Collins now out, this kid played guard a year ago. He started four years in Kansas as a left tackle, occasionally played a little bit of right tackle, but we heard all the time, communication, getting used to the guy. What can he do? What can't he do? You can't simulate that in practice. You've got to run your stallions out there. Now, Baltimore loses over the weekend, you know, and, and, and then even if you lose to him, you're still guaranteed the divisional championship. That's a whole different animal, whole different animal. But if you're going into that last game of the year and it's a difference between winning your division or saying, uh, you know what, maybe we'd rather play the AFC South team on the road instead of playing the Chargers, say, for example, as the sixth seed at home, then you got to play your players. Yeah, you, I, I, think, I don't think there's a scenario where the Bengals bench anybody unless something crazy was to happen and the Ravens game didn't mean anything, but I don't even yeah. think that – can that even happen? I guess if the Bengals won this weekend and the Ravens lost, then that could happen. We would clinch our division. Okay, yeah. yeah. Then you then you rest them. But otherwise, yes. Otherwise, you're playing. I mean, you want to you, you want to win your division, right? No doubt. Well, right. There, there's I'm, no well, question. Look, the, the higher the the better seeds you have matters. It means something. At the minimum, it means you get a home playoff game. Yes. If you're the three seed, you slip down to the fifth because you say to yourself, oh, man, I, I want to go play the Jaguars or the Titans. Well, be careful what you wish for because you're going on the road and you just never know, especially the way Jacksonville is going right now. I mean, you just don't know. And I know the Chargers are playing a little bit better. I get that. I think we all agree the Chargers are a better team than Jacksonville. But I would still take my chances of playing anybody at home as opposed to having to win every game like they did, uh, well, the last two games. They had one home playoff game against the Raiders last year. 
the NFL is not littered with teams. In fact, I think there's only been two ever that won every playoff game on the road to get to the Super Bowl. That's not a combination for trying to get back to the Super Bowl. Period. Do we have Brian Billick yet? No, we do not. All right. Well, let me know when uh, he checks in because um, we want to talk to him about this game. We want to talk to him about the Derek Carr situation. What's that like? Uh, and, and where did we get to a point that because you don't want Derek Carr to be a distraction, what in the hell does that mean? That all of a sudden the team and the player both agree, you know what, I'm not coming to practice today. You've signed me to a three-year, $125 million contract. And we've seen examples this year where guys have been demoted. Matt Ryan comes to mind. Now, granted, Carr's been with the Raiders forever. Ryan's only in his first season in Indianapolis. But could you have handled things more like a pro than Matt Ryan did when he was benched initially in Indianapolis? said, I'm going to show up here every day and try to be the best back, backup quarterback I can and help the other guys. And now the Derek Carr thing, he's not coming to practice. Well, it they was told mutual, him not right? to come to practice. What's that? It was mutual, right? That's what I'm saying. But, I mean, where did we get to in a society where all of a sudden these are grown men? You mean to tell me that you can't have the guy show up? He's supposed to be a leader. He's a captain of the team. And with two games left in the year, you're telling your captain, hey, man, sorry you got benched. Stay home for a couple days. Is that cool? Am I the only one thinking about this? Well, I mean, the way I thought about it, and maybe it doesn't make as much sense because he'd be sitting the bench practically, the third string. But he's trying to keep his health, right? If he agreed mutually to it, he's probably exploring options. The team probably said, all right, go try to find yourself a trade. You know, there's probably multiple different reasons, and they can't execute a trade yet. So they're probably, in my mind, what I, what I think happened was they found a trade partner. They can't execute a trade yet, so we're going to arrest him in good faith that, that we're going to execute a trade later down the line. You're not risking any health issues. And it's a win-win for Derek Carr because he's moving on. He, he gets to go somewhere new, and he's maintaining his health. But well, look, I, at, at third string, it doesn't understand. make sense. Well, I know, but all of that I understand. I get all of that. And, and there may be some truth to what you're saying. Maybe, you know, they decided, okay, one day to stay away from the facility – working on it. All those things you just said could be true. But I'm talking about the simple understanding that this is an employee of the team who's been a great employee for a long, long time and been an integral part of success in your franchise, especially since making the move um, from Oakland to Las Vegas. He's a popular guy. He's popular in the locker room. Devontae Adams made the comment, uh, he played college ball with Carr, uh, and, and Carr was a big reason why he left Green Bay to go to the Raiders. Outside of the money, of course. I hate to be cynical, but I mean, come on. Um, but, to, but, but, but all of a sudden, I just don't know. The point I'm making is, is by Derek Carr coming to practice, 
And even if he's doing what the normal number three quarterback would do, okay, it could be running scout team. It could be doing whatever it is they do with the number three quarterback in practice. He's not going to get hurt. Isn't there something to be said? If I were Derek Carr, I'd be saying, hey, look, this situation stinks. But if you think for a second I'm not coming to practice to earn the respect of my teammates, I mean, what are his teammates thinking? All of a sudden, the dude loses his job, and all of a sudden, he doesn't have to come to practice anymore? Something's wrong with that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's some locker room tension. I mean, what's Devontae Adams thinking, though? Oh, my gosh. Man, what is he doing? Well, I mean, look, you know, this is where, this is where, uh, and I don't know Devontae Adams. I've met him. I don't know. This is where we get wrapped up in what I call player speak. I mean, this is really what this is. And a lot of us have, as fans, we can tend to want to always side. We believe our guy is this, 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 and this. And that's fine. Look, do I think Derek Carr had something to do with Devontae Adams coming to the Raiders? He's already said that. The answer is yes. They were friends, they played college ball together, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, it's the money that brought Devontae Adams to the LA Raiders. Derek Carr might have been a small part of it, but Devontae Adams could have found a lot of other quarterbacks that he would have been just as happy playing with and having them throw him the ball. And the way the season has played out would have had a lot more success than what they've had so far this year because they have been an awful football team this season and a lot of people thought they were going to the playoffs so you know, you know go ahead paul well all i was going to say is because brian billick is in here so the last thing i was going to say before billick joins is you're really missing a great day in the studio tom it's like 100 degrees in here <laughs> yeah of course i leave town and all of a sudden it's uh it's nice and warm the, and cozy the h the hvac feels like we're down with you in florida today all right all right. Well, that's good to hear. I'll be on my way back on Monday, so we'll see what, what, what happens. Brian Billick, kind enough to join us, Super Bowl winning head coach from the Baltimore Ravens. Brian, we were just talking about the whole Derek Carr thing, okay? And, and, and they announced to the press that he's benched for the remainder of this season. I want to start with just being a, a head coach in the room with a guy who's, you know, the all-time franchise leader in virtually everything. We're not saying he's the best quarterback that ever played for the Raiders because he's not, but statistically he is. Well, what's the thinking with two games left in the season or what might be the thinking of, of, of benching your starting quarterback? Uh, personally, I think this is Josh McDaniel going. It's not me. Uh, and and when you change at the quarterback, we've talked about this many times, Tom, when you change at the quarterback position, nothing shakes a franchise more than that due to injury or due to, to play. The hard part is there's no going back to Derek Carr. Now, they can at some point say, okay, there'll be open competition. Hey, Tom, can, can we have him join and come back in? Coach, can you hear me? Your your microphone. Can you join? Can you rejoin our session real quick? Okay. Okay. 
Well, we'll check out with Brian Billick uh, and then have him come back here in just a second. Uh, I guess there's some crackling or something going on in there. Yeah. Is that what it was, Casey? Yeah. Just some very heavy just, just crackling. I don't know what's going on on his end, but it happened last time, too. It sounds yeah, good. Yeah, and if for some reason it happens uh, here again when he comes back in, uh, unless it's, it, it's, it's truly that annoying, I like to just keep him going. I mean, can we understand what he's saying? Can we hear what he's saying outside of the cackling, crackling going on? Yeah, just power through it, I guess. If you we want, can, yeah. If you want to power through it, we can power through it, or we can leave it to our our uh, our chat here. What what do they think? Is well, I mean, it, as long as everybody can hear it. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're, they're pointing out there's a lot of fuzz in the oh, microphone. Right now, uh, Rich Gannon. Okay. All right. Is that so, better? He, yeah, we got him back. Yeah, much. Sorry, Brian. Okay, so Brian, go ahead. Thanks for for checking back in. Your 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 microphone was just crackling, kind of what like it was last time. Um, okay, so can, please continue. You're talking about what a shakeup it is in the building and so forth. Go ahead. There's there's no going back to Derek Carr, and I agree. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's had 25 touchdowns. Yeah, he's had a few interceptions, but this is on a bad team that's trying to make up some ground. Uh, and and uh, this is a dangerous proposition because when you're a new coach coming in, that's the time to get your quarterback. Because if not, then it's in the second year, the third year, whether you draft it, you go get it. Now there's a tincture of time, particularly if you get a rookie, that there has to be a development. How many guys have we seen that bring in a uh, draft a quarterback in their second, third, fourth year and, and then get fired midseason because the rookie quite hasn't come along far enough. So, uh, I, I think this is a Josh McDaniel issue, not a Derek Carr issue. Certainly, he can play better. Don't get me wrong, uh, but this is um, this is not good for the organization in a division that's got Patrick Mahomes, uh, Herbert. Uh, I mean, you know, the, 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 they're going to be around for a while. So if you you've decided Derek Carr is not the guy, and there'll be a there'll be a line of people that want to get at Derek Carr. And I'm not saying he's the end-all, be-all, and let's slam dunk him the whole thing. But I think he's a, he's a better-than-functional NFL quarterback. What about the part, Ryan, where now all of a sudden uh, he's not even in the building? I mean, this is where things in this day and age start to lose me a little bit. Uh, both sides agreed he'd be a distraction, whatever that means. I'm not sure what it means. To me, this is a grown man who signed a three-year, $125 million contract. He signed the deal, took the money. The team gave him the money. Uh, and, and now all of a sudden, if I'm a teammate of cars, whether it's mutually agreed upon or not, I'm looking around and I'm saying, wait a second. There are guys who get benched on this team every week that lose their job, and they're expected to show up at practice however much or however little they do. Um, what, what, what am I missing there? Am I wrong on that? No, is this, is this Derek or is this the organization? That's the question. If it's Derek, I agree with you. But if it's the organization, all right. I, I don't think the, the audio situation is going to work. I'm going to try to send him a phone call link instead, if that's okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know what, 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 what is going on. All of a sudden the cat crackling continues to, to try, I guess, Brian, what we'll try to do is get you on the phone here for a couple of minutes rather than whatever uh, computer microphone that might be, if that's causing the problem. So Casey, you want to just have him call in? Yep. I'm going to send him the, the number now. Okay. All right. Um, so I, I'm really interested to hear what he has to say about this because, um, you know, th th this whole thing to me is really weird. Um, Chris Sports Gamer, thank you. Uh-oh, audio sounds like uh, aliens may have taken over the show. <laughs> Alex but says we need to send Brian a mic in the mail. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird because it just develops as the call goes on. It's fine when yeah. it joins, and then as the call goes on, it, it just gets progressively worse. So I don't know if it's a signal issue or if it's a, a mic issue or what it is with him. But Who is AM? I've never seen AM in the chat before today. AM says it's probably the FBI hacking my account, which is a very real possibility. Have you guys seen AM in the account before? I uh, have not. Might be new to the chat. Okay. Well, good to have. We got big numbers again today. It's good to have everybody in here. And uh, hopefully we'll get Brian back because, um, you know, he's been in this situation where you've had to do things like this. Now, for him, and I don't recall, and we'll ask him about it if we get it back, I don't recall him ever having to bench a guy. He lost some star quarterbacks through the years, and especially um, uh, season opener right here in Cincinnati. When everybody and his brother had picked the, uh, the Ravens to win the division that year, and they lose Steve McNair, their starting quarterback, uh, the late Steve McNair, uh, to a season-ending injury. Uh, he won a, a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer. We've talked about that before. Uh, but I don't recall him ever having to go through a benching of a, an established quarterback uh, on any team he coached, and he coached for what nine years in the in the NFL, went to the playoffs six times, so he had some good teams. Um, Emperor brings up a good point. Some of these says, you know, we really don't need to see some of these guys on uh, the Zoom. Maybe we just hear from them and and, and hear their wisdom. Maybe not a bad idea. I always like seeing people better on some of these. You know, um, Tom, before we uh, before we get Brian Billick back in here just real quick. This isn't really a this day in history, but we'll ju I'm just going to throw this at you real fast. 20 years ago today, Riverfront Stadium was demolished. Wow. 20 years. Wow. I'm surprised that wasn't on my yeah, my website at checkout. 20 years ago today, Riverfront Stadium uh, was imploded. Hmm. Can you believe it's been that long? You know, I, I can. I really can. Because, you know, you, you think about, I mean, I'm starting to feel like Great American Ballpark's been around for a long time. And, and, and if Riverfront was demolished, then basically Great American Ballpark is probably, what, 21? Because they, they, they didn't tear down the stadium until um, they were building the ballpark. Right. Yeah, it's they tore down the stadium, then they built the ballpark. Two thousand three was Great American's first season, so it was they tore down the stadium in December, and then Great American opened that following April. So this is yes. So this is going to be twenty years. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is. Uh, and, and look, we can sit in and get into a whole debate about you know what has happened, and we will as we get closer to baseball season. But you know. 
You start in 2003. This will be the 21st year of Great American Ballpark. If somebody would have told you when that when that stadium opened, and it was shortly uh, prior to that where the team had brought in Ken Griffey Jr. as a free agent to add to what was a one-game playoff team in 1999 that lost to the Mets and Al Leiter getting shut out at Riverfront Stadium. If somebody would have told you in 2003 that you would never one time witness a playoff series win in the history of the ballpark, 21 years later, would you have believed that? That's that's a crazy thing to throw out there, but... No, I would not have believed it. The way that the Reds franchise was set up, the way that they built the stadium and the, all the positive momentum and everything that was going on with the Reds at the time. No, I would not have believed that if you told me. But now looking back at it, hindsight's twenty twenty. What a what a, what a wild uh, last 20 years. I want to make sure I got this straight now before I just spoke about that because I did not come back to work for the Reds until 08. Now, I know that 03 to 08, they were not in the playoffs. But when I said that, I said you would never see a series, postseason series win, meaning winning the series, which we know they haven't done. The more I'm thinking about this, have they won a single playoff game at home in the history of that ballpark? Uh, because in, in, in 2010, no, they, have they got not. beat three straight by Philadelphia, right? In 2012, they win the first two games on the road in San Francisco, lose three in a row at home. I don't think there's ever been a playoff win in that ballpark. No, there's not. I just pulled it up. There has not because they got swept against the Phillies. They got swept at home against the Giants, and the two wild card games were on the road. So, no, they have not even won a playoff game at home. I got to tell you, of all of the things – that you could talk about with the Reds. I would have never thought about that. Have we not been talking about the anniversary of the demolition of, uh, of Riverfront Stadium, the erection of Great American Ballpark? And, and look, I think we all agree uh, that they've had some really good teams that were more than capable of winning playoff games at home. But to think that ballpark is getting ready to start its 21st year and you have not seen a single postseason win, not one nine-inning game in 21 years. I'm sitting there trying to think to myself, of all the teams that are out there, right, um, Brian Billick is telling me he needs an access code. Yeah, I, we, we got him in here, but because you're remote, we don't think it's going to work because there's no way to get okay. from you to him to back to you okay. without you being right. here in the studio on the headset. All right, if that's the case, then am I going to have to cancel the guest for tomorrow? No, 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 because we'll have, we'll have them in via video through the vMix like normal. Oh, I get what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The, the only reason the only okay. reason we had to get Brian in here separately is because he was calling in through the phone. Sorry about that. 
Okay. But those guys tomorrow will be I'm fine. I'm sitting there trying be to think to myself. Back to this, uh, back to this uh, Reds thing for a minute. Uh, and it's not beat up on the Reds day. I, that's not the idea. We have a lot of other things to talk about that are a lot more um, pressing um, right now, whether it's you know games in the NFL, whether it's uh, college football and the playoff getting ready to get started. But I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, okay, um, I'm looking at all the other teams in baseball over the last 21 years, okay? So if you started in the American League East, and some of these I'm not going to be able to get right. I don't have time to look it up, okay? But the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Rays, don't know about the Orioles. They were, they were, they're one of those teams. Maybe Paul, you know. Uh, Boston, for sure. So Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays, Boston for sure. Cleveland for sure. White Sox, yes. Minnesota, yes. Detroit, yes. Kansas City, yes. Houston, yes. Seattle, yes. Angels, interesting question, the Angels. Another shaky one. Rangers, a little shaky. A's, yes. Braves, Mets, yes, yes. Phillies, yes. Marlins, yes. Nationals, yes. Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, yes, yes, yes. Pirates, yes, have won a home playoff game over the last 21 years. Game, not series, game. Dodgers, Padres, Giants, Diamondbacks, Rockies, maybe. There might not be four teams in Major League Baseball, and we know for sure the Reds are one of them, that have not won a home playoff game in 21 years. Well, the Rockies were in the World Series, so they've definitely won one. Well, I was talking more about Arizona. I'm trying to think if they have been – they've been to the playoffs a few times – I think they've been to an LCS during that time frame, once or twice. So, I and Baltimore is the only one I don't know about for sure. Baltimore has, yeah. Baltimore, uh, they they went five games in the ALDS against the Yankees in 2012, and they were in the uh, ALCS against the Royals in 2014. Oh, okay. I forgot about that. Yeah, they okay. swept the Tigers in the ALDS in 14. Okay, so there you have it. Um, as far as we can tell, the Reds might be the only team in Major League Baseball that has not won a playoff game at home in the last 21 years. And we know the team overall has not won a playoff series since 1995. And that's when they beat the Dodgers in the opening round um, in the division series, right when that first started up. Uh, and then they lost, they got swept by the Atlanta Braves four in a row. The Pirates have. The Pirates beat the Reds in a one-game playoff. Somebody was asking, have the Pirates done it? The answer is yes. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they actually won a game or two in the next series once they advanced. They had A.J. Burnett pitching for them back in those days. I think they won a couple of games in the playoffs over the last 20 years, not just the one game playoff. Um, all right, fellas, uh, the college football playoff. Paul, I want to dig into your expertise here a little bit. You know, it, 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 these two games, uh, and not because I have rooting interest in both games. I got my TCU sweatshirt on here today, getting ready. But, um, you know, these two games are really, really interesting games and intriguing games because it seems like 
Um, the, 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 the running theme for each of these games seems to be, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong here, you could see either game being a massacre, right? I mean, you in theory, you could see Georgia blowing out Ohio State, and you could see Michigan blowing out TCU. Yeah. I mean, you got one team favored by six and a half. You got the other team favored by eight and a half. But then you have the possibility or the idea that what if, and that's every sporting event, but what if that or that, just one or two little things happen, and all of a sudden you could see the, these being really tight games, exciting games coming down to the end. Do you guys agree with that assessment, that that basically has been the feeling of what could be for each of these two games? Yeah, I mean, I think the Georgia-Ohio State game will end up being probably a better game than the Michigan-TCU game will be. But at the same time, when you look at how Michigan and TCU – I mean, if you're looking at the gambling numbers, which is, I think, why you, you teed me up on that one. Yeah. Michigan, yeah. And, Michigan and TCU is pretty much 50-50. It's not. It's, a, it's slightly to Michigan, but it's pretty much 50-50. The, the public split on it. Uh, Michigan's down to 7.5 right now. It's at 8 in some places, but – um, it's a high total there, 58 and a half, but not as high as Ohio State and Georgia at 62 and a half. And the money there and the bets, everything, everything in that Georgia game is coming in on Georgia. 80% of the bets, 82% of the money, everything is coming in on Georgia in that game, um, which would generally tell you if you followed us here that you're, you're probably looking at Ohio State there to cover the six and a half. Um, I I tend to think that the Ohio State Georgia game will be good, but the thing that that people keep reminding me or, or that I look at when I look at how Georgia has played this year, Georgia has played exceptionally well in every game that has mattered this year. Yes, they played Missouri close. Yes, they played Kent State close. There was one other game that they played that was that was kind of a me mediocre performance. But in all three games that mattered, in the SEC Championship, when they played Tennessee, and when they played, what was the other, there was a third game that, uh, Oregon, in the season opener. LSU. All, yeah, LSU. Yeah, season well, opener, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. All three of those games were blowout wins for Georgia. They all were games that Georgia cared about, got up for, and won decidedly. So it makes me think that, if they've coasted through the other games and then roll up to basically what amounts to a home game on Saturday, uh, you know, an hour or two, I don't know how close it is to, uh, to, to Athens. Um, yeah. But it's, it's basically, it's a, it's basically a home game here for Georgia. You roll up there and you play Ohio state in a game that matters for a chance to win back to back national titles and start to really build what could potentially be, I don't want to say a dynasty because it's the SEC and it's hard to win, but this is a Georgia program that's starting to look like, you know, are they taking the mantle away? Like, is this a, a Georgia team that's really asserting itself in, in the SEC? And they clearly have over the last five years. And now they have a chance to really cement that with back-to-back -back national titles, which could be by beating Ohio State and Michigan, two Big Ten teams that the rest of the country regards as the second-best conference in college football 
you could potentially beat Ohio State and Michigan, the two best teams in that second-best conference, that'd be a huge statement for Georgia. And if they did it and decided in, in big fashion, like they have in the games that have mattered this year, then you know I, I could see that happening. I, I really could. I, I could see Georgia winning this by 14 points. But, you know, the, the, the public and, and Vegas – Vegas seems to think that, uh, you know, they're not moving the line around, which if I'm a Georgia fan would make me very nervous. Well, here, here, look, here's the deal, okay? There, there is no question about it that Ohio State is the best team that Georgia has played all year long. They didn't have to play Alabama during the regular season. Uh, Their crossover games, they didn't have to play LSU during the regular season. Not that they were any great shakes. They beat them in the SEC championship game. Uh, and, and you're spot on, Paul, in that assessment of the big games, okay? But every game in college football, uh, by and large, is a big game. And, you know, there are two things about Georgia. Uh, number one, you, you, look, they're number one. They're the, they're the defending national champions. Uh, they are what everybody else, including Alabama and Ohio State, wants to be right now, going into this college football playoff. You want to be the number one team. Um but they've played games this year that if they play like that against Ohio State, they're not going to win. Case in point being the Kentucky game. Now, their defense shut down who I thought was a very overrated quarterback in Kentucky. Good player. Um, really good player. We'll see what he does in the NFL. Maybe he'll go on to be the next Tom Brady. I have no idea. But if they play that kind of game offensively against Ohio State, they're going to get run out of the gym. Um, number two is, you know, you, you dive inside some of the numbers and the Georgia secondary is not by any stretch of the imagination, a highly thought of secondary. They're young. They've had injuries. There have been games where they have given up a ton of passing yards. Now you can say big deal, Tom, you're not a stat guy. You know, do they win the game? Yes, they've won the games. And to me, that's all that matters. But I'm telling you. Uh, I don't think in any form or fashion, um, in any form or fashion, um, I, I don't agree with those who think that, and, and Paul, I'm not say, say, suggesting that you're saying that's going to happen, but, but, but I don't see, I don't see for a second Georgia rolling Ohio State. I, I, can I see them winning? Of course. Rolling up on them? I don't see it happen. So would you, would you say that Two touchdowns is rolling, or would yes. you still? Two touchdowns is rolling up in a college football playoff semifinal game, where you have two of the. And let's face it, the entire year, Georgia and Ohio State were ranked number one and number two in the country the whole year, right? So most people felt like before the debacle for Ohio State against Michigan, um, most people felt like these were the two best teams in college football the entire year. Now, Michigan obviously has made a point to the contrary by what they did to Ohio State, and we'll see what they do against TCU. Speaking of, um, what's the money like on the TCU game? Yeah, it's about 50-50, uh, <laughs> both, both ways, bets and money. It's about 50-50. It's slightly to Michigan, 52-48, but it, it's pretty much right down the middle. Okay. All right. Well, I'm being told by Zachary, stop it, Tom. Georgia will roll the Ohio State University Buckeyes. All right, fellas, are we doing picks tomorrow? 
Uh, yes, we are. Yes, we absolutely are. Tom, what would this show be on a Friday without picks? We'll talk well, to you. And all of a sudden, I'm one, I'm one game behind Casey. He's in big trouble of sinking into the number three hole. We Casey, will... any thoughts on that? This is the eve of you going into third place for the first time all year long. Do you have any thoughts? You know, the, the last week's picks, I, I did terrible. I didn't do any, like, hardcore research. This time, it's over. Oh, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I have a sneaky suspicion I might go undefeated. Whoa, he's digging into the numbers Un- this week, Tom. Undefeated, undefeated. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the second one to do it. Okay, you being right, first. You say so. Uh, yeah, we so. will. We'll talk to you tonight. We'll shoot you a text, Tom, and uh, figure out which games we're gonna pick tonight, so you can take a look, so we don't blindside you like we did last week. All right. Do you want to? Do you want to get in because we're we're starting to get into a couple of decent bowl games, um, even today. That Texas Washington game is at least a little bit interesting. You know, you get Texas is trying to end the season on a high note. Uh, we'll be seeing Texas more than likely next year in the Big Twelve, taking on the UC Bearcats uh, because they're not expected to go to the SEC for two more years. Um, so you got Texas, and then you got Washington. Uh, the, the Penix kid who is at Indiana, I wish so badly that kid had not left Indiana. Quarterback now at Washington has had a monster year. One of the most exciting players in all of college football. That, that will be or potentially could be an entertaining game. Do you want to pick that game tonight or no? Uh, let's, let's just keep it to the, to the weekend games. Let's keep it to the weekend. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because right. I'll, I'll go back Little in balls. tonight and, and, and check it all out. So let's keep it to the weekend. Okay, so to recap tomorrow, uh, our game plan is to have Mac Engel on, um, who covers really everything Dallas. And we could ask him a few things about the Cowboys tomorrow. Been a columnist there forever, legendary columnist there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, he's already in Phoenix to get ready for the uh, TCU-Michigan game, which, of course, is an afternoon game, 4 o'clock game on Saturday. Uh, and then we're going to talk to Tim May. I, I, I'm really excited to have Tim on the show. Uh, I, I'm not sure there's been anybody ever that's covered Ohio State football uh, better than Tim has for the better part of 30-plus years. Uh, he is in Atlanta and will be covering the Ohio State-Georgia game, which will be an 8 o'clock game on Saturday night. So um, those two guys schedule tomorrow. Uh, Thank all of you for your patience today. One of me being in a remote site, not knowing anything about technology. Thank you to Casey and Paul for getting me through the early jitters of technology, (laughs) getting us on the right path. And Paul, before we go, your Xavier Musketeers continue to roll on. Yeah, it was a fun game, Tom, the mic'd up game. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about it here on box lunch and, uh, and not too picky as soon as you're off here, but, uh, yeah, it was a fun game. It was back and forth in the last 10 minutes of it. Xavier's up by 18 at one point. But, um, yeah, getting into conference play, Kentucky stinks. Kentucky's terrible. UC starts conference play tonight. You're, you're getting into some good portions of college basketball. So, I know there's football. Yeah, in the world? I, I, know you, I know you said you're going to talk about it. This Kentucky thing, you know. Well, here's the, here's the thing, Tom. The problem with Kentucky right now um, – they're, pl- they, they're going to go into the new year without a quad one win, which basically means they don't have an NCAA tournament resume 
right now, now the good thing is that the SEC is the second best conference in the country. And there's, you look at Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, uh, Kentucky, obviously it was picked to have a good year this year, but there, there is a lot of opportunity. Mississippi state's having a good year. There's a lot of opportunity for Kentucky in the conference season to pick up some wins, which is good for the Wildcats. But if they don't, if they if they get into the middle part of January, late January, and they don't have wins that are stacking on their resume, they're going to be unranked, and they're not going to have an NCAA tournament resume, and then they're going to have a lot of work to do in February and into the SEC tournament. And I don't understand what Calipari's doing. I, he's not playing lineups that are conducive to winning. He's playing two bigs together. In 2022, when they can't shoot the ball, Severe Wheeler's not a good point guard. I just don't understand what he's doing. I, I don't get it. I watched their games. I watched almost the whole game last night. I watched the UConn-Villanova game last night, which was incredible. I, I don't really get what Calipari is doing at Kentucky right now. But that's just Well, look, me. he's got a track record. He's got a track record. I mean, you can't argue with a guy's success wherever he's been, going back to – uh, what was it? It was UMass is where he first made his name. Isn't that where he was? Yeah, at UMass? yeah, it was. A, yep, it was. And he went on from there to Memphis and you know Kentucky and all these kinds of things. And so, uh, look, he's got a track record, uh, and they are enormously talented. But their fan base is really starting to get bent out of shape, and rightfully so. Uh, it's his job to get this ship straightened out uh, and out of the rough waters at sea right now. And 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 like you said, you watch him. Uh, they're hard to watch because they can't shoot at all. I mean, you no. hit the nail on the head. They can't shoot at all. Uh, no, they, you know, they, I keep thinking back to that game, fellas. We had that anniversary of the highest scoring game in the NBA, the history of the NBA. And you had both teams without a three-point shot shooting up over 60, 65% for a game. You know, guys can shoot the three and they can make dunks. There are very few teams in college basketball anymore that can make the, the, the 8 to 10 to 12 to 15-foot jump shot. You agree with that, Paul? You watch a lot of basketball. Yeah, I mean, it's basically become, and you see that a lot now, where it's basically become you're playing around the rim. If you look at the heat charts and the shot charts from where these players are shooting the ball from, it's either the perimeter or it's right around the rim in the paint. You're not getting a lot of that 15 yeah. to – because, you know, the it's just not as high a percentage of a shot now as if you want to step back another four feet – and get an extra point yeah. out of the shot. So, yeah, but but Kentucky's problem, you hit the nail on the head right now. They just they brought in a couple of guys. You bring in C.J. Frederick to uh, to expand, you know, y y your your shot selection and what you can do on the court. And when he's he's only made 19 threes on the year, Antonio Reeves is supposed to be your best shooter. He's 31 to 74, 42%. That's pretty good, but he's not the best shooter on the team. That's Casey Wallace, who's a freshman who probably should be running the point on this team. So I just don't understand. Kentucky's got issues, and I'll leave it at that. And they got to figure it out quick. Okay. All right. Well, you know, it, it, once we get past some of this football stuff, and especially uh, the college football playoff semis this weekend, Bengals on Monday night. Uh, Monday's going to be a huge day for us. We're still putting some, you know, uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's as to what we're going to be doing on Monday uh, but I'm sure it's going to be a big-time day here on Chatterbox and all the build-up to that game here on Monday night. Again, that's an 8.30 kick. Uh, but a lot of good games this weekend, which we will talk about at length tomorrow, along with being joined by Mac Engel and Tim May. So, gentlemen, I'm going to turn it over to you guys. 
Uh, we'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a rearing and ready to go. All right. Sounds good, Tom. Thanks, Tom. All right, boys. Have a great day. Appreciate it.